0: else it doesn 't work, amen, so Father, we thank you for this day. We will rejoice we'll be, we will be glad, and we will be exceeding glad because of your glory and in us, around us, before us. And it, it makes our rear guard. So we're loving you today and we honor you in Jesus name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So, uh, I wasn't sure what to call this. I, I think we need to talk about, uh, whether your faith is inside or outside. So we'll say inside or outside faith. Amen. Is your faith inside or outside? <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> I've taken it from a couple of passages of scripture. Uh, the first one is in Acts chapter 3. And it's a story of the gentleman who is laid outside of the gate beautiful. Amen. And uh, um, uh, it's an interesting story, but I think it also tells us some things about the nature of faith. And how we can uh, allow our faith to um Stay outside of where we need it to be uh, instead of being inside of where we need it to be. So in Acts chapter 3 in verse 1 it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. So hour, the first hour is 6 a.m. It's sun up, which is 6 a.m. This is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, Sundown is 6 p.m. of course. And so the hour of prayer was the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb. Now this man never had walked. He was carried. And they laid him every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, asked them for money. Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength." And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that he was the guy that used to lay out there in front of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened to him. And the lame man, which was healed, held Peter and, which was healed, held Peter and John, and all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. So he's gone from the gate beautiful to Solomon's porch, which means he's made some progress here. And when Peter saw it, he answered the people and said, you men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why look unearnestly upon us as though our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers who glorified his son Jesus whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and just and desired a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God has raised up from the dead whereof we are witnesses and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know, yea, the faith of him, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now, Peter and John uh, were uh, um, passed by this man many times. And this is the thing you need to know. It says daily this man was here at this gate. Everybody who ever went in that temple walked by him. The question is, Jesus had a three year ministry and often went into that temple. Why didn't Jesus heal him? Why does it take so long? Why is it, what, what makes the difference between your now and your future? You know, what, what, might happen and and when and what what factors factor in to um, whether or not you receive when you receive how long it takes to receive um, all of that that kind of stuff you know there's there's some factors that come to bear in that and so when you look at it it looks like somebody else's faith has brought this man here. When it says he was carried to this place and laid outside, why didn't they take him inside? Uh-huh. See, that's the question. See, there's when you think about it, we have a covenant with God, but our faith must take us all the way into receiving the promises. You can't just receive them anywhere. Your faith must move you from being impotent and letting somebody in receiving passively the things of God to mobilizing your faith to move you inside where the promises of God are. See outside the temple, what was he relegated to doing? He was begging. Inside the temple, he was in the presence of God. In the presence of God, there's fullness of everything. See, that's where we're, we are, are destined to dwell, is in the presence of God. We're not destined to be on the outside of the covenants of promise. We're not destined to live a life begging, and live a life of maybe, and live a life of the scraps of other people's lives. There were people going in and out of the temple all day long. And they were able-bodied. Many of them were wealthy. Many of them had everything. in here this man looks at these people coming and going. He's been doing this all of his life. and And really his blessing was on the inside. Jesus taught on the inside of the temple. If somebody had carried him inside he might have been gotten healed by the lord see the other thing too is there's outside faith and there's inside faith outside faith is passive because you don't have to put much much effort to stay on the outside of god's promises look at all the people that are saved they don't get healed They don't get good jobs. They don't. Why? Because they're outside of the presence of God and outside of the assurance. Their faith only takes them up to the door and never lets them enter in. And I'm telling you that God has given us all enter in faith. He wants us to come inside where he has prepared a table for us. He has prepared a banquet for us where we will want no more, where we will lack no more, where we will not have anything hindering us from anything. But we have to take the initiative to enter in. There's effort to entering in to God's presence. There's efforts to entering into the rela- revelation of God. There's effort to it. It's not just the easiest way all the time. Sometimes you have to study a scripture for years before you get the essence of it. And before, see, that's entering in. You you don't want to stay on the outside of this revelation any longer. You want to know what this means and you want to own this and you want this scripture to come to life for you. Because outside you're only getting the scraps of somebody else's life. Inside you enter in and you receive what God has for you. Because you have personal knowledge. See, there's a risk to going in that people don't like to talk about. What's the risk? You might be rejected. It might not work. You put up all that effort, and and maybe this isn't the way it's done. Maybe it's done this way. All of these are comments that are made to our minds when we're on the outside of understanding our faith and and receiving what God has for us. So here it says, this man was lame from his mother's womb. He never walked. His legs have no muscle tone, atrophy, you know, no movement, nothing. And so he's dependent, though, on these men to come and lay him on the outside of the temple. And all I'm saying is that when you're dependent on somebody else's faith, some people are like your children. If you've got uh, children that have grown up in church and around the things of God, they are somewhat dependent on your faith. Sometimes they just look at you as being saved. I don't know how many people I've asked, are you saved? My mother goes to so-and-so church. Or we go to this church, or they have no concept of what salvation is, but they're content with this like uh passive uh, you know permission or passive entry into heaven you know is they're hoping that the fact that they can give you an answer about something the mother does is the same thing as them being saved themselves. So they're really outside and they're begging and hoping that this will get them in if they ever need to get in, you know. And so whenever we have that distance... Between us and God. Really your faith is not really active. It's dormant. You're not really using your faith. Because your faith will cause you to enter into the promises of God. And if you you don't enter in initially. If you're not satisfied. There's something about your faith not not doing what it's been made to do that gives you this dissatisfaction on the inside that makes you go back again and try it again, that makes you keep knocking at the door, keep asking, keep believing, all of that kind of stuff. But if your faith is never in motion, you're just looking inside a window. It's like uh, you know being in front of a candy store, and you can look in the window and see all the goodies, but you can't get to them because there's a barrier there. Even though you can see them from where you are, and you know there's something good in you, in there for you, you can't get to it because you can't. And so this man is limited. He, there were many times Jesus healed p- people in that temple. There were times where prophets would come through and they and people in the temple would get healed that was a place of worship where you're supposed to go and receive from god the priests would receive your offerings and sacrifices and you would walk away healed so there was healing there was a healing covenant in force for the people of god at all times but he fell short because he was dependent on somebody else's faith to do the work for him you can't depend on somebody else's faith all the time. you got to get your faith in motion. You know, we all like to hear good messages. I like to hear them too. I had to watch myself listening so much to what other people did because sometimes you live in a dream world that that's real for you and you don't get up and use what you have. You got me? Now I like certain people. I don't listen to some people. If you, you know, y'all know me, I don't feel my mind and my soul with a lot of nonsense. Now, if I'm gonna listen to somebody, they gotta have the goods. I like miracle ministers. I like apostolic authority of a Melissa and some I don't like these happy little feel good sermons they don't do anything for me where I'm going they don't go and so but I have to curb my appetite for those things sometimes you know just you know get out here and get into in your word and start digging in and find the finding the nuggets for yourself and start putting them into operation you got me uh, sometimes if I'm struggling with my health or or, or something like that, I'll sit under the word, cause it's, it's better to get it passively because you hear it and it's medicine. Now that's something totally different. But when it comes to putting it into operation and getting revelation and putting it to work, I have to Go about working that thing myself. I'm not gonna be a passive bystander for everybody else's ministry and everybody else's prophecies and everybody else's everything and not put my faith in the operation for that. You gotta, you gotta get up and get yours moving too. And so when we talk about being on the outside or being on the inside, there's so many situations where we, we can't depend on this kind of passive uh, activity, so to speak, this wanting to have things different and not put in, putting in the effort to make them different. You see what I'm saying? This man needed to get beyond this barrier of always sitting on the outside and begging people for their leftovers so that he could barely live. You're a man who has a covenant with God. You're a man who God wants. God's promised you all of these things and you need to make up your mind you're gonna enter in and, and get what God has for you. So he's out here at the outside of the gate. He saw Peter and John going into the temple and he's looking for the, for money for them because he's decided in his mind that this is the best that he can do but my belief is at some point this man had wanted to be well this man had wanted to be healed. This man, he probably looked longingly many times. He said, boy, I'm sick of this bag and if I could just get up and get up out of this, this thing, I'd be a whole different person. There has to occur to people somewhere inside of them the inspiration, the hope, and the faith that one day it will be different from, for them. But he can't get anybody to take him inside. He's relegated to being outside sometimes you need to protest, but see if you're a paralyzed person you can't offend anybody you can't ruffle any feathers you can't yeah you know, some people they get uh, uh they made me a deacon in my church, and they did and you know they're not spirit filled they you know you're not being fed, you know you're not learning anything, but they have offered you a position see And so you don't want to offend anybody by leaving after they've given you a position even though you know there's more for you someplace else. So that's kind of the position this guy is in. He he knows there's more for him elsewhere. But he can't offend the people who bring him to the gate every day because they'll get sick of him and then he'll be left someplace else. You see what I'm saying? So he won't get as far as he's got if he puts up a fuss and and tries to be too demanding. But think of the three years that Jesus taught in that temple and he's on the outside and never went inside. And he just could have bridged that gap between where his faith is stopping and where it needs to go, then he'll get his miracle. And see somebody has to come and bridge that gap. You either bridge it yourself or God sends somebody to help you bridge that gap. Something has got to change to take your faith from outside faith where you're begging to inside faith where you're receiving everything that you need. Faith people will tell you that uh, faith is an act and you need to do something, and that's true. But what this man needed to do, he wasn't able to do. You got me? Sometimes you need to do certain things, but you're not able to do them. And in that situation, God will send somebody to help you to bridge that gap so that you can get over into the place where your faith can bring in what you need, where your supply is, where the things that you've been waiting for reside. For most of us, it's just another inch away. It's just another prayer away. It's just another confession away. It's just another revelation away. Because it needed to be revealed to him that somebody coming in there would have what he needed in order to get himself on the inside where God was. And he wanted to be in there where the worship was. Could you imagine sitting on the outside... They say Brother Seymour was like this. Uh, because of segregation, they wouldn't let him in the church. Whites were in the church and blacks sat on the outside. And he went to one of the Brother Parham's meetings where they were talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he sat out there and he listened. And faith came by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and more. Moved out to California at the request of one of the churches out there and, and led the Azusa Street Revival. So being on the outside, will if you put your faith to work on the outside, it will eventually move you inside, folks. You won't be out there forever. You've got to hold on to your faith, but you've got to see yourself bridging that gap you gotta see yourself getting beyond, uh, the level of waiting forever. You gotta see yourself getting out there doing things. It's like we pray for God to bring people to, to this church, but we know the people are out there, so you gotta go get them. It's not going to just happen. You might get a handful of people here and there, but we are supposed to be soul winners, amen. And so, if we go out and pursue and and really uh, put in motion God's command to go into all the world and preach the gospel, then people will begin to come in. You, you're putting your faith to work. So that you go out and receive the harvest. So you got to make up your mind that you're going to be a laborer for Christ. You're going to do these things because that's where God will position you so that you can come into the things of God. And so when we, we talk about uh moving from the outside to the inside, it's a matter of knowing that your faith is taking you somewhere. If you don't have what you need, Right where you are, you need to make a move. Amen. You need to make up your mind. You're going to use your faith and make a step closer to where you're supposed to be. And so when this man looked at Peter and John and he was wanting to ask, he asked them for money and Peter decided to look at him back. That's your first, your first, um, Notification that somebody's situation is going to change, God gets your attention with a person so that there's something different there's something god this isn't the same they've been looking at this man uh forever sitting out here you know i mean if they've been they've been good jewish uh people they've been coming to the temple at least once a year for for the uh um you know, for the Passover, but probably more often than that. And so when they come up there and they look at this man, they've been looking at him forever, but somehow the look is different now. There's a different way that they make contact. Before it was, do you have money? No, I don't. They keep moving. But this time God's involved in a big way in this man's life. God knows the day, the time, the hour for the release of everything good in your life. He knows it. If there's bad stuff released in your life, he's made provision for that. So he knows everything. And so God knows the day, the time, and the hour of your release into uh, a greater place in him and release into your promises. And so when Peter and John... They looked on him in verse 4 with him and said, look on us. In other words, they were telling that man, quit looking around for the next person to give you money. Quit being so distracted. Let your faith focus for a change. And so when they said, look on us, he did. Expecting. It says he was expecting to receive something from them. In other words, he's eager, he's full of joy, he's excited, and then Peter begins to engage him and, and get him into a different position of faith. In order to receive your miracle, your faith has to be positioned differently. What had happened is over the years, this man had lost his faith for the supernatural. He lost his faith to be healed. Peter and John have to revive that faith in him now. So how do they do it? They do it by telling him, now don't get distracted. Look at me when I'm talking to you and pay attention to what I'm saying. Proverbs 4.20. Attend to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst. Why? There's health to all your flesh if you pay attention to the word. And so they first have to get him focused on what they're saying to him not on what he needs or what he thinks he's there for or whether or not they got money and when he finds out they don't have money you notice how do sometimes when people people who are doing things like begging they do things that make other people uncomfortable you ever notice nobody makes eye contact with them you just put your head down and keep walking act like you don't hear them all that kind of stuff so this is different Peter says look at us in other words, we're not trying to avoid you. We want to make eye contact with you. And so this man knows how to read faces. He knows how to do all of this stuff to see if he's got something coming. And when Peter says, look on us, he thinks, oh boy, it's coming now. Everybody else looks down when I'm out here. They don't even look at me. They ignore me or they treat me rough or tell me to shut up or something like that. So here are these men. Open up to him. They entreat him to go a little further, and then he looked. He gave heed to them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter does the the flip the flips the, the script. He says, "Silver and gold I don't have, but I do have something for you." So Peter takes his faith, this man's faith, from natural begging for material things, over into the supernatural. This happened all on the outside of the presence of God. So when your faith is ready for a change, something has to take you from concentrating on natural results to concentrating on supernatural results. So, say for instance, if you're you're needing healing in your body, you want all the symptoms to go away. Now, now you are healed by your covenant. You're healed by um, uh, uh, contract with God. You're already healed. The devil is trying to put sickness on you, but you want them symptoms to go away so you can be comfortable, and the devil can't bugging you about this stuff. And so what God will do, he will will have a, a way for for that gap to be bridged so that you can go from focusing on whether or not your symptoms are still there to getting to the place where you accept that you are healed. And then after a while, you realize, gee, I haven't felt pain. I haven't felt that pain in a while now. And you'll see it go away and because you've been, you've flipped over from natural faith to supernatural faith. You're believing more and more and more what the word says. You believe you really are healed. Not you're waiting for God to heal you based on how you feel, but somehow your faith has flipped on you. Where it's not just your focus on the natural anymore. You're more focused now. Assume, now I gotta quit looking at this because the word says that I am healed by his stripes. I am redeemed from the curse of sickness. Sickness has no place in my body. I am not sick. I am healed. I am well. And once you flip over into the supernatural, then that, that strength will come and start to drive out every single symptom. That's in your body, so what they have to do is get this man flipped over from the natural to the supernatural, and it's hard because he needs money. You got me? Sometimes people want you know they'll I've heard had people say, well you know i I've, I've got a bad back, I get disability, I want to be healed. Does that mean I can't have my check no more?" I said, "No, nah, you want your check." I said, "But you got to make up your mind. You want to be healed, whether you keep that check or not. See, what do you really want? You 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 want a touch from God because He's here to heal you." And worry about the check later. I'd, sometimes people get healed and they tell it right and tell the, the people, I'm healed and they'll just keep sending them the money. I've seen that happen too. But you gotta use your faith. You have to take your faith from, because see it's not really about your finances when it comes to the supernatural of God. It's about so many more things. See, down the road, you can't see it, but you might need that faith to work on you for something else. You see what I'm saying? You just can't hold your faith hostage because you need money. Suppose this guy got real good at begging and made a lot of money would we'll come into conflict. But somehow Peter and John knew That this man wanted to be well. And that's, that only, only the Holy Spirit can reveal that to you. And so the Holy Spirit decides to bridge this gap between the natural and the supernatural and show this man that God has heard his prayer. He's probably, some of these people that, that we see get healed, we think instantly, their faith has been working on this for a while. Just like Zacharias when he was in the temple. And he says he and Elizabeth, his wife, were well stricken with age and she had been barren all her life. And then the angel says, God has heard your prayer. And he's going, huh? What prayer? Well, that prayer you prayed when you were young and believed in God for children. That prayer is now being answered. Really? Huh? <laughs> It's like, why now? Why not? Why not now? Huh? Why not now? Why not now? Why can't we have some things that God does for his glory? Why can't we have some of that in our lives? Why has everything got to be for us on our time schedule, our timetable, when we want to have it? All that kind of stuff. If it don't come then, it's no good. Huh? We need to grow up and cut it out. Realize who we are. And so it says, he says in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So that healing had been waiting on him. He couldn't get inside the temple to get it. But that didn't stop God from wanting him to have it. And it didn't stop God from giving it to him. God knows your situation. He knows you're dependent on whatever or you don't want to ruin your relationship with your family, with your spouse. He knows where you at. And so he'll send help for you to bridge that gap. We got gaps all the time between where we are now and where we envision ourselves being. That's like a common thing. But God has made provision, folks, for us to if we will hold on to our faith and we will continue to stay uh, uh, uh hopeful in God. This man couldn't help where he was. He was carried there by other people. Sometimes you can't help where you are. Huh? Uh, you know, I'm a, uh, I had a, a rough marriage of you. When we got married, we were very much in love, but over the years, something happened. I don't know. And you know, well, you got carried there by things that you couldn't control. Sometimes we're in situations before we get saved and they, they dictate for a few years how your life is going to go. You do the best you can with them. We've all got situations beyond our control right now. But that doesn't mean that God cannot change them and put them into a place where, where they're, they're a blessing to us and they're a benefit to us, all of these things. He had the kind of faith that just got him at the threshold or at the door of the blessing. And sometimes our faith is like that. It seems like we're just this close, but we can't quite get the rest of it to get over in there and get our blessing or get our miracle. And that's because our faith has been passive up until then. And until God brings you a new revelation or an intercessor, somebody to bridge that gap for you so that you can get over in there, it will not happen. So we need God's intervention in these things. You just can't sit and let that go on forever, or it will go on forever. So inside the gates is where you really meet God, where you get that personal one-on-one relationship with him. It's not certain. Why this man was always on the outside, but it seemed like he settled for less. Sometimes circumstances will put you in a place where you feel like you have to settle for less than what it is your heart's desire. You see. And so, but God knows what you want. He knows what's in your heart. He knows your heart's desire. He knows you want more of Him. He knows you want to do the supernatural. He knows you want to be a soul winner. He knows you want to change the course of of direction in your household. He knows all these things. And He has a a time and a place and a situation that's going to flip this thing around he He always does always does. I had a call from a family member nephew that asked me if if I would do his wedding for him and he said he said, "I want to do this right." Uh, he said um, he said, "I was for the longest time, and he we were on the phone about an hour. He, he talked to me about things i 'd forgotten." You know, that it happened and he said, you know, I, I watched you. He said to my uncle Aubrey, he said, he took me shopping for clothes. He said, my father didn't have anything to do with us for, for all my life. It's my older sister's, uh, son. He said, your husband took me shopping for clothes. He said, I remember the buttons on the shirt he bought me. He said, I never had buttons like that before. Can you imagine God touching somebody through something like that? He said, and, and I was looking at my family. He said, I'm a grandfather now. And, and I'm looking at my daughters and they living with guys. He said, and I'm saying to myself, well, they can't do any different because that's what you do. He said, so I, he said, this girl, he said, we talk, I go to church with her. He said, but we know we're not living right. He said, but I didn't want to make another mistake in getting married like I did the first time. See what I'm saying? And so all those questions you need to ask people. Before they get married, he just answered all of them. We didn't have to do the Q&A and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I said, Stephen, I said, I'll be happy to marry you. I said, when I met that girl, I said, I met her this last time uh at Thanksgiving. That was the first time I'd seen her. And so I just looked at her. I said, you like my nephew? She said, I love him. I said and when she said that something just went off inside of me and I said well Lord let me pray about this I said because if this is what's going to set his life right I said then that needs to happen so sure enough what was that November the the notorious Thanksgiving dinner Uh, (laughs) the annual notorious Thanksgiving where you don't know what's going to leap off you know just open the doors and put the food out but um uh, it, it, it amazed me and, and really, uh, I've been noticing him recently because we've been praying for him. Of course you pray for all your relatives for years. Uh, up and down, back and forth, one thing, another. But I noticed, like in the past maybe two or three years, he seems to be more open to God because he'll get on Facebook and chat with me a little bit and then he'll say a bad word and I'll tell us I'm telling your mom on you and you know and let him know he's oh Auntie you caught me again. I'm sorry you know that kind of stuff. And so he's he's gotten wisdom. He's reasonable. He's a very bright man. You know, uh, I have to, to to give it to God for all of my nieces and nephews. They're not slow at all. You know, they're gifted, they're able. Um And they're hard workers. He's a hard worker. But like he told me, he said, I work. He said, I get on a roller coaster. He said, and I look. He said, it's up one minute and down the next. He said, and I decided that the missing ingredient was God. He said, and I'm not going to live like this anymore. And so you have to understand that there are people on the outside who want in badly. And they need to be in. And we are the ones to bridge that gap for them, you know? You have to make a statement uh, with your life that says I serve God and I don't compromise. I serve God and that's it. I serve God and I'm here to love you and help you. I'll do anything I can for you but sin with you and condone your sin. You got me? And so when we when we really understand what God's up to, you can look at a lot of people who are sitting on the outside of God's promises, beggars that should not be begging they have a covenant with god they have they are called to be saved they have uh, um, uh they're the seed of the righteous there's there's something that that uh needs to be added to their life experience so that they can get that final thing can click in for them so they can see where they need to be and where they need to go so this man is typical of a lot of us, sometimes it's lack of knowledge, revelation, sometimes it's being in the wrong church, around the wrong people that don't know how to feed your, your spirit and feed, they give you an atmosphere where you can be nurtured and grow. And so there are many, many things that, that will keep us on the outside. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's ignorance. We sometimes, we don't know that we're on the outside. You ever been like that? There's like crazy religious people, ho- hoop and holler, shout and dance, go home and they've been broke for ten years and still broke. So they're on the outside. Something's not right somewhere. And so when we, when we understand that God wants us, what he, where he wants us to be, You have to know that your faith must be ignited to move you from being an outside observer to an inside participant. And so he took him by the right hand, lifted him up immediately upon the touch of God. And that's what's missing. People need a touch from God. And they need a touch of faith. That's going to take them, you know how some people will say things like, "Well, suppose they fall." When you're under the anointing, you don't even think that. I found that out. You know, you see, I was when when I first started ministering, you're on the outside because you don't have any experience with faith and doing the things that you do under the anointing by faith. And I used to think that. I said, well, God, I don't want to pull anybody out of a wheelchair and they fall on the ground. And so God never answered me. But he would he would have me uh, take people and stand them up. He would have me walk people that were paralyzed. He'd have me do all kinds of things under the anointing. So I know when the Spirit of God moves me to do that, I don't have any fear that they're going to be damaged in any way. And so the people who brought him to the gate, while kind people, they weren't bold and confident in God. See, boldness and confidence in God will move you into where you're supposed to be. That man's got no business being on the outside of that temple. They should have brought him on the inside, whether people wanted him in there or not. You got me? Inside is where we're supposed to be no matter what condition we're in. Sometimes when people are sick and not feeling well, they don't want to be around the saints because they're used to, they think they're, they're holding up some kind of reputation. You know, the fake reputation. Where I can go in there, uh, you know, and I can't sit if I get too tired to stand and I can't do this and we have all these false images of ourselves. Huh? I remember I I was, I think I was was walking around on Eddie or something. You know, I sat down and preached. And a couple people on Facebook, how are you feeling? How are you feeling, my sister? I noticed you sitting this time. You know, that kind of stuff. And so I said, yeah, I was, you know, I'm tired. You know, I'm going to sit down when I'm tired. (laughs) I don't have any reputation. (laughs) That left a long time ago. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I don't, I don't get on there and complain, and I'm not going to prop myself up to pretend to people that I never get, you know, tired or I never not feel well or, you know, I mean, it is what it is. You just, but, but people can get caught up in that image thing. You know, I can't look like, I can't look like this. I can't look like that. You got to let that go. And you gotta let God take you to where you need to be. If it means limp in there and, and do your ministry, you limp in and do your ministry. Amen. But you, you get in there and do what God, you be an inside person. You're not gonna be an outside person. And make up your mind. You're gonna be an inside person for the rest of your life. So, with the touch of God, that illness and weakness left him. Somehow, His body responded in a way that's miraculous, unique, and unusual. This kind of stuff doesn't happen to people. So while he was on the outside, there was a miracle waiting for him. And the miracle really wasn't so much inside the temple, but who he would contact once he got in there. See, he would contact God. And God in his mercy decided one day... No, I'm not going to wait for somebody to do the right thing and take him in. I'm going to heal him outside and let him know that inside is where he needs to be. That's where he belongs. And he says in verse 8, he leaped up and stood and walked and went into the temple with them. Walking and leaping and praising God. In other words, he's not on a mat anymore. He's able-bodied, and where did it happen? It happened outside the temple. And see, this is an indictment against what went on on the inside of the temple. Because if it were known that, that people got healed regularly in there, that they would have moved him in there. You moved him that far, you'd take him all the way in if his healing's in there. So what God does is he demonstrates to everybody what his will is. My will is for this man to get healed. If you want to help, help. If you don't, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to find somebody who's going to obey me and do the will of God. So according to Moses' law, obedience to the word always brings healing. And what did this man need? He needed a miracle. And so the word was brought outside to him. Peter and John said, look at us. We don't have silver and gold, but get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And, And they helped him up and he was able to walk. Prophets and priests would pray for people in the temple for their miracle. But faith was always employed to heal the sick. It looks like the people that brought him there had given up long ago on this man ever walking. And he probably had given up too. But faith is always there. Your faith is ignited by the word of God. And your faith is ignited by people who know uh what God wants for you. What is God's will for you? God's will is that you would be made 100% whole. If that's dormant in you, you need to ask God to blow fire and blow his breath on them dormant coals and fire them up again. God, I know that you want me well. I know your will for me never changes. I know you want me strong. You want me healthy. You want all these things for me. Thank you, Lord, for my healing. I'm here for it. Amen. So, uh, <clears throat> instead of settling for less, we need to press in to get on the inside of things. So here this man is in the temple. And these people have been seeing him on the outside. So now the outside people are inside people. Oh Lord, what's happening around here? He, done, he got up and walked himself to the inside. And everybody knew, verse 10, that it was he which had sat begging at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now this is, this is the, 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 uh, I guess you can say the reputation maker for the church. Because they knew Jesus did this ministry and the disciples did it when he was alive, but nobody's prayed for anybody. Nobody's received anything for 50 days since Jesus, since Jesus died and ascended into heaven. This is just a couple of days after Pentecost or maybe the same day. And so what this announces in a profound way is that healing has returned even though like Peter said y'all killed him but he raised from the dead and we saw him and now he's given us his name and he is working doing the same things through faith in his name so this establishes that miracles are now working through God's people Miracles are working again among the people of God and among all who will believe. And so <clears throat> they all ran together in in on Solomon's porch. And when Peter saw it, he said to the people, he said, why are you marveling? You're looking at us like we did this. Y'all might have killed him, but he's still alive. And he's alive and he's working in the power of his name. He said it's through faith in his name that God is, is able to make this man whole and to make this man sound. Well, so, you know, he brings a, you know, he preaches a good message and tells the people to repent. Amen. And, and many people believed when they heard this word. So this is one of those Prayers answered prayer that sets off a revival in this town and also establishes the church as built on miracles. See, this is why I don't waste time with people in their spiritual pep talks. Why should I hear a feel-good mir- message when I'm looking for miracles? That's not the church. I mean, some people know Jesus. I'm sure they love him. But they're not preaching the fullness. They're not preaching what he told them to preach. They're not doing what he told them to do. It's either ignorance, disobedience, or a mixture of both. But see, it takes it takes effort to learn. See, we can all run out here with a good message. It, it doesn't take much effort. You don't have to pay the price much for anything like that. You know, you pay for advertising. And if you get a lot of people that like that and will support you and help you pay for your advertising, then you've got a following. Following doesn't mean power. You know, just stay with the real thing, y'all. Just, you know, you don't have time for that. You don't. You know, these little pep talks and all this nonsense, telling jokes, and, you know, your congregation walked past a town full of homeless people. Nobody blinked an eye. In fact, you get on the freeway so you don't have to see them, you know. It's true. You know, it's just, it's really true. So if we're the church and, and God honors, you know, there's so many scriptures that tell you if you give to the poor, God's indebted to you. Well, I don't have silver and gold. They didn't either, but they gave something to him. He didn't want us giving money all the time either. He wants us to bring these people out of their condition. <laughs> That's what Jesus would do. He revolution. He fed people, but he revolutionized their lives. He did the whole job. Everything that was needed was taken care of. So here this this poor man was reduced to begging for money which we know is not what you need and never solved anything amen you need a touch from god <laughs> huh your money perish with you that's what peter told simon the sorcerer you yeah. see one day we're going to have to choose between what we think is the most important Because that, that choice is always in the Bible. You want this world's goods or you want the things of God. You can't have them both all the time. Sometimes you gotta sacrifice one for the other one. So you have to decide what's more important. Like Jesus says, isn't your life more than clothing and things and What you want to wear and all isn't it more don't you don't you have more to you than just being a a mannequin for what you can put on and what you can possess. You watch that stuff. You only have so many hours in a day. You only have so much time here on earth. You need to learn how to invest it in kingdom things first. Put the kingdom first. Jesus said if you do this and do it to my satisfaction, I'll add everything to you that you need. You tell us to go pursue this kind of stuff. Huh? Well, We won't pursue stuff. He places it in our lives. I was looking at, I had some things that come up, you know, I bought this new car and it's needed some, some things, but you know, you know that when you buy something used, it's not new, you know, so it's gonna need some things. And so I was talking to the Lord about it and I said, gee Lord, I said, if I can just get, get, uh, you know, a few more hundred dollars, I think I'll be okay. And so when I was going through uh, my PayPal, I was getting ready to set up the payment. It's not due for a few days. I looked in there, and I had cash in my PayPal. I said, there's the money, Lord, before I call you answer. He always makes provision. If I asked him for more, they'd be more in there. It's according to my faith. Uh Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, I'm not, oh, I'm not bugged, I'm not stressed, I'm not, and people think, uh, well, you know, well, at your age, I said, honey, I've been like this for over 50 years, you understand what I'm saying, come on now, uh, people always want to blame it on age, and you old, and you can't, you know, you don't, you ain't kicking it no more, that's why you don't want nothing, uh, I didn't say I didn't want anything. But I'm not going to let it run my life. I put that in the back seat. I'm in the driver's seat. Well, the Lord's in the driver's seat, but you don't let things drive you. You don't, you're not a driven person. So um, when they were told to look at us, that flipped their, that man's faith from natural to supernatural because he found out in a hurry they didn't have any money, weren't giving him money and that that pulled him out of you see sometimes you need situations to pull you out of natural into supernatural faith and that was it that was his turnaround situation where somebody turned him down but gave him something better how many times had he been turned down and didn't get anything but he got turned down but he still expected and got something better So when he was totally restored, God moved him inside where he needed to be. There's something about relationship with God that supersedes every kind of experience that we can have. Yeah, it's nice to get your bills paid, it's nice to have a good job, career, it's nice to have the blessings of God, it's nice to have a good marriage, good family life, obedient children, all that kind of stuff. But they pale in comparison to relationship with God. Once you know you're forgiven, everything else that you need will easily come into your life. But you know you're forgiven through relationship with God. You can't get it off a piece of paper. You can stay in your Bible as much as you want to, but until you make living contact with the living God and he reassures you with his presence that your sins are forgiven forever, then you you really don't have anything to compare with that. Um, I got five minutes. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, so anyway, when you, when you do that, you don't have anything to compare it with. Amen? How much time do I have? Twenty, that's what I thought. Okay. So anyway, when we, we understand these things, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's relate, what, what He says in the scriptures is true. If we seek first, first, Do we seek righteousness before we start believing God for things? We're not even taught that. In your basic faith teaching, you're told to confess the word. You're told to believe the word. You're told to give so that it will happen for you. But righteousness is seldom stressed. We don't even know how to preach it right to help people. To keep their faith in a place where it works for them all the time. Many times our faith is entangled in our, our bad thinking, our bad confession, our focusing on our situation, on the natural. It's all ensnared by everything. And then to say nothing of the bad relationships that we have, that we never address them before God, we never repent. God, I don't get along with my cousin or my brother or my sister, my parents, whoever it is. And that's wrong, God. You want us to love one another. See, we're all a project. There's no right and wrong in relationships. I hate to disappoint you. For those of us who are on a right and wrong crusade, because huh? they're forgiven. In God, they're forgiven. God forgives them. Yeah, you, know, you hear people say, well, God does, but I don't. Well, you're not hurting anybody but yourself. And you're disrespecting God. Why would you do something that he doesn't approve of and you wanna, people to condone that. It's not gonna happen. If we would understand righteousness, and how to understand that there's no law against it, but then our understand when we're in disobedience, that we're not gonna be blessed, cause there's no blessing <laughs> for disobedience. There's only blessing for obedience how to keep what they call short accounts with God how to make it right before God we don't even hear people teach on how to work that relationship out right you just don't hear it so everybody assumes everybody's right with God all the time and all we got to do is confess stuff and it will come to us when really staying out of condemnation And staying in faith righteousness is a challenge. It is the challenge of your life. Because the minute you start feeling good about yourself, the devil starts bringing to your mind all the bad things you did. Why do you think he does that? You think that has no effect on you? Hmm? He does it to hinder your faith. He does it so he can charge something against you, get you to doubt. Well, this is the reason why I don't have this yet. It must be because I did that 40 years ago. Or you get to the point where you think nothing's forgivable. And the way you know you think in that way is you start accusing other people. See, that's a double-edged sword. If you got accusation on the inside of you, it's going to work against you. It's a luxury we can't afford. We can't afford to dislike people because of their sins, shortcomings, and faults. You can't afford that. It's very expensive because it's going to cost you more than that momentary superiority you feel when you look at somebody who you think is supposed to not make mistakes anymore and they make them and you're excited about it. Got me? Or you form an opinion about people based on their faults. It's going to cost you somewhere, you know? Because God's accounting you holding you responsible to love that person, huh? Love means it finds no fault. It means it forgives everything. It covers a multitude. What does that mean? They can keep sinning and disappointing you over and over and over again, and you're still got to love them and forgive them. So this is the challenge of Christianity, folks. I don't think the challenge is really do we have faith? Is, is, is your faith in a position where it can be used? And do you equate faith with righteousness? I mean, seriously. You believe God, you believe Him all the way down the line. You believe that He's not pleased when you don't like people. He's not pleased when you don't want to, uh, honor people. He's not pleased with this stuff. He's not. If, if you're a judgmental kind of a person or you like to fault find, that's, that's not pleasing to God. See, these are the things that to me seal the deal on your relationship with Him. You can go to him for anything if you there's no animosity anyway. He said, If if you are at odds with your brother, I don't even want your tithe or your offering. So leave your gift at the altar and go make it right. In other words, he didn't say take your money back and don't go come don't come up here again. He said leave it right there and go make it right. So in other words, he's saying, I'll accept your offering. But not on that condition. You gotta do it on my condition. Right? So he never casts us aside. Your gift is for you. It's to do you some good in your life. It'll cause you to prosper. But you gotta do it right. See, this is why we got Christians working at Planned Parenthood. We've got a divorce rate in the church that's now higher than it is outside the church this is why we've got preachers that can't go home on Saturday night they're out clubbing or sneaking around with somebody this is why as our foundation never gets established we are too quick to move on to the goodies And don't form a foundation enough in the hearts of people so that when they go to God, they have assurance that they belong there. They have assurance or they're not trying to see. What happens with a lot of our little formulas that we have for getting from God is they negate relationship. If you got some formulas you can work and a confession you can do, you don't need to talk to God. You don't need to worship Him. You don't need to honor Him. You don't need to do anything. All you gotta do is keep, you know, believing for your goodies, I guess, as much as you can believe, being on the outside. So you want to get on the inside. In Luke chapter 5, we see somebody who knew that. This is somebody with determined faith. They wanted their healing and they weren't going to settle for less. Amen? Not like the man at the gate, beautiful, but look at the mercy of God. Even though he had long settled for less, his little buddies just brought him and sat him in front of the gate and watched him beg all day long. Hot sun, still begging. He couldn't even move and get into some shade. Everything's going on around him. He's got no ability to do anything for himself and then one day God's mercy just moves on him and says uh uh time is up for this you ought to be well and that's what God says to all of his children you ought to be well there's no reason for you to be like you are any longer I'm here to heal you and that's what he did when God says we ought to be well that doesn't mean it's up to us to get ourselves healed It just means we need to hold on to our faith. We need to thank God for the the fact that he wants us well. And God, I receive my wholeness. I receive my healing. So in Luke chapter 5 in verse 17, it came to pass on a certain day as Jesus was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of God was present to heal them. Now they're coming to judge what he's preaching, no doubt, and they come in packs and droves. A lot of people that I found this out over the years, <clears throat> we would have the Benny Hinn. you got people with all kinds of motives that come in your meetings. Now, I'm not one of these paranoid people, but I decided years ago I was not going to deal with people's foolishness and nonsense. And uh many people come to, ministers will come because they want to see what kind of crowd you get. They want to see, they're not always coming to learn. The ones that come to learn generally will sit close to the front or in a place where they can, you know, I'm always leery about ministers who like being in the back, milling around with the sheep, you understand what I'm saying, they're there for something else, you know, God has given a place for people uh, is what I feel, uh, and, and I don't want to mill around with people's sheep when I go to meetings, I go there to get something out of it, and I want a good seat where I don't have to Look over everybody's head and I don't, not that I think I'm all that, but I'm not there to, uh, you gotta understand when, when ministers take the time to come to a meeting, they're looking for something. You have to make it easy for them to receive. And I feel that we reserve those front rows for those people. But I know too that many of them won't sit up there. So when you find people who don't know their place and don't wanna take their place their the motive can can be a little screwed up so you have to you have to protect people from that you know we don't let them prophesy to anybody we don't let them pray for anybody after the meeting's over you don't know, go up to people at somebody else's meeting and break rank i don't care how anointed you are you understand what i'm saying you you have to respect the order that God has set in these things. They have no idea what we're trying to accomplish when we have these meetings. It's not a free-for-all where you come in and just go go out there, go go back to them homeless people you passed by and prophesy to them. Go lay hands on them. You passed up a whole bunch of people you could have ministered to, So anyway, these gentlemen here there's a a um, a power to to heal that's evident in the atmosphere. Uh, Jesus had it at every meeting. And the reason I know that is because when people didn't come forward to be healed, he rebuked them because of their unbelief. Got me? So if there's power to be healed in the atmosphere and nobody's getting healed, it's not the atmosphere that's the problem. Jesus is not the problem. The problem is not that God doesn't want to heal anybody today and maybe he'll do something later. Like that. that is never the problem where faith to be healed is, is in the atmosphere. Problem is people's unbelief. They refuse to believe, and what makes them refuse is is judgment, um, religion, crazy ideas. People are full of them. You get a crowd of people together, and it'll shock you the the level of ignorance that's evident or resident in people sometimes. And behold, verse 18, men brought in a man who was taken with a palsy. Now here's another paralyzed man. He's on a cot. And they sought means to bring him in, to lay him, this man, before Jesus. In other words, they want to be inside people. Their faith is telling them to get closer. Their faith, they're not... They're not satisfied stopping at the door. Because here's the same barrier of a gate and a door and all that kind of stuff. And, and they refuse to acknowledge it. What we need to do when our faith is moving us toward a goal, refuse to acknowledge the barrier refuse to acknowledge that something is telling you that it's not for you when you read it plainly in the Bible that God wants you well refuse to believe that it's not for you today tomorrow's a better day why is it always tomorrow? faith is now so their now faith is telling them now is the time And then when they could not find which way they might bring him in because of the multitude. In other words, all these dead people taking up all the seats and don't want anything. They went on top of the house and took up the tiles and led him through the roof. And when he saw their faith, which is an action. You've got to do something, folks. He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this which speaks blasphemy? See, they're not there to get anything. They're there to criticize. Who can forgive sins but God only? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, said, why do you reason in your hearts? He said, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you. Arise, get up and walk. Then he tells him to get up and walk. And that really confuses him. Let me tell you something about religious people. They want to find out what phrase to use to imitate what you do and get your results without paying the price of revelation. Understanding righteousness, living right, blah, 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 blah. So Jesus confuses them. He says, "Um, I'll tell this guy his sins are forgiven him. See, anything Jesus would have said would have brought healing to that man by the unction of the Holy Spirit. The Pharisees don't know that. They think they can sit there on the front row and watch Jesus and see how he does it and get out and duplicate it. In fact, I I believe many of them tried it and fell flat on their faces. Why? you got to have relations. you got to be anointed. The first thing Jesus said when he came back, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to do what I'm doing. I'm not just doing it. When you're anointed, you know it. You don't have to have somebody convince you you're anointed. You don't have to confess your way into an anointing. When God anoints you, he tells you. And he tells you what to do with what you got. You'll be like Peter and John. They knew what they had. Such as we have, we give you. When you're anointed, you know what you have. You're not assuming it. Pharisees, religious people they got all kinds of tricks folks so you beware but they they want you on the outside <laughs> they want to keep you on the outside taking up all the precious space in the meeting And poor man can't get in to get healed and they're sitting there judging everything and trying to copy it But God So you want to be an inside person Folks let your faith take you inside To where God is Relationship with God It's everything It's everything It really is Father thank you for your word And for understanding And thank you for releasing us into the inside of your promises, the inside of revelation and knowledge, the inside of your power, the inside of every good thing. We honor you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen and amen again. Praise God. Amen. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, I'll pray for you. Praise God.